0: hello everybody welcome back to another episode of the teacher takeaway podcast we are back with episode nine we are flying through this season and today we have a special guest but for our regular hosts we have the amazing james gray
1: hello everyone how are we
0: the magnanimous aaron johnston
1: welcome back
0: and the ever beautiful alice Viggers. thanks for joining us so great to have you back I am Beck West, and tonight we are joined by Charlotte, who brings with her a wealth of knowledge that I am very, very excited to share with you today. We're going to be looking at making the most of PL. Thank you so much for joining us, Charlotte. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Now, before we dig into our inquiry question for the night, would you just like to share everyone very quickly who you are, where you're from, and why you're joining us in this very
2: nice evening? (laughs) Yes, I would love to. Um, So my name is Charlotte. I have worked uh, in the classroom and out of the classroom with teachers for the last, gosh, 10 years, which makes me feel really old, (laughs) Um, delivering really impactful or trying to deliver really impactful professional learning experiences, both online and in person. Uh, I was really empowered and really excited by this topic, so I actually went back to uni when I finished my teaching degree to do my Master of Education, and I did a thesis through research looking at the ways that we as teachers form our pedagogical beliefs, how they change over time, and the barriers that we experience when we're adopting best practice teaching approaches that we learn in PL. Um, Yeah, so that's a little bit about me. (laughs) And we're very
0: grateful that you could share your time with us tonight as we dig into episode nine, making the most of professional learning. Our inquiry question for this episode is how do we ensure that our professional learning transfers into classroom practice? Now, with your 10 years, I'm in my 20th, Charlotte, <laughs> when you say you feel old yeah, <laughs> um, and professional learning has been something that's evolved as education has evolved as well and I know that teachers everywhere are feeling the difference in workload. Uh, James you're in your seventh year and I think you've even said you've seen a shift even in the seven years that you've been teaching. So I think teachers everywhere want to make sure that when we're digging into professional learning like you said that it is impactful for ourselves and for our students and it's not just another thing on the to-do list as we go through. So let's dig into our first question tonight, which is what is the purpose of professional learning? So I might throw to each of our hosts before we get to the deep and meaningful with Charlotte. So James, something quick. What's the purpose of PL?
1: Purpose of PL is just like our students, to continue our knowledge and development to ensure that we're delivering the best educational outcomes to our students.
0: Perfect. Alice, how about
3: you? Oh, to understand best practice in order to improve the way that we deliver the, the content and the learning to our students. Aaron, what do you
0: think is the purpose of PL?
4: Yeah, I was going to say, it's for for me, I think it's coming off what James and Alice have said. It's really about us fine-tuning and making sure our practice meets the needs of our learners and reflects what current research shows is, you know, the most effective way to teach. It's about us, like we've said, continuing to grow in our knowledge and keeping up with as education is evolving, making sure we are evolving as practitioners.
0: Absolutely. I agree that for me, it's being current and relevant to whatever's going on. So Charlotte, could you share with us? What is the purpose of PL?
2: Uh, I think you've absolutely hit it on the head. All of you have given an A plus textbook answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Um, I think that while it's really nice to have this purpose of PL, it can sometimes get lost because it's mandatory. Often, just like assessment, when we're assessing our students, the mandatory element of PL can be what drives us. And sometimes we can find ourselves sitting in a PL simply because we have to. And I think it's really important to tap into the real reasons, as you've all just said, to improve our teaching practice and to stay current. And just like our students, if we don't have that why that resonates with us, we aren't really going to get much out of any PL no matter how good it is. Um, This is why we have things like learning intentions and success criteria and that have been shown to increase student buy-in and engagement. It's the same for us with PL. Absolutely. It's just so
0: interesting to have that word mandatory reminded that you know, that's part of the job when I think mandatory training, I think CPR, anaphylaxis, all of those <laughs> other components. And I think it's, it's been done to the point where sometimes I don't think of it as learning. I think of it as just ticking the box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I guess it depends on, yeah, the relevance to you. If you're a, uh, you know, beginning teacher, that's quite new for you. And um, it could be something that you're thinking, how do I manage my children's health and safety in the classroom? So when, uh, when um, Charlotte said mandatory, I,
3: I thought of, you know, the CPR and all that kind of stuff, but I also thought of the ones that are linked to our um, school improvement initiatives that as a staff, we all do. You know, we're learning about best practice in, say, spelling. We are all attending this PL or we will all engage in this, so therefore it becomes a mandatory professional learning regardless of whether you feel you need it or not. Aaron, you've got a question for us.
4: Yes, I do. Um, And I was just thinking back what what you guys were saying was, yeah, I think we need to remove that mandatory word because like you were saying, Charlotte, it just gets us ahead in the wrong space from the get-go. Because anything that's mandatory, people are just like, oh, mandatory. So, yeah, it's reframing the way we think about PL. But uh, my question is, uh, well, let's talk about what's the trouble with PL? I know um, you were saying, Charlotte, you've done a master's in this area. So let's talk about that. What's the trouble with PL?
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, the short answer is that there is a known disconnect between a lot of PL and lasting impact in our teaching practice. And why is that? It's, Mainly because the most traditional PL fails to practice what it preaches. And to be clear, not all PL is like this, but a lot of it, a lot of traditional PL that dominates a lot of the PL opportunities that we have available to us as teachers is delivered in a way that really often goes against everything that we know about best practice teaching and learning. And while we can make changes in our teaching in the short term, long-term change is incredibly difficult to achieve, particularly if the concepts that we're trying to apply sit outside our pedagogical beliefs and what we really value as a teacher. To give a really extreme example, A teacher who is trained in something like chalk and talk, and they've learned that through university and they've been sort of practicing that approach for many years, isn't likely to adopt something like inquiry-based learning after a single PL, because it requires more than just learning new skills and techniques. What we're actually asking of that teacher is to have a really dramatic shift in their entire viewpoint of teaching. So it can be really hard to achieve that in single one-off PLs. It's been long understood that our actions are informed by our beliefs. And so this is no different for our teaching approaches.
0: And it's interesting when you see those cycles come out. Alice, I'm going to throw you into the deep end here. I know um, Alice Mm -hmm. is very passionate about inquiry learning, inquiry thinking. Um, And every now and then you see someone sharing this article that says it's a bunch of Crap, it doesn't work, you know, that kind of thing. Like Alice, what's your instinctive response when people share stuff like that? Like that flies in your face?
3: My instinctive response is
0: don't swear, don't swear.
3: <laughs> no, it's never to swear. My my instinctive response is to think, why? What what experience have you had with that way of thinking? that makes you believe that it's not to say that um, oh no you're wrong and to to give this long-winded response to the person who's posted it because you know it all, for me it always comes back to you don't know what you don't know and if mm. you haven't experienced um, that way of thinking and that way of um, you know teaching then you don't really have an understanding of what it means and what it looks like to engage in in meaningful and relevant inquiry in any kind of space mm.
0: And isn't that just the mindset of someone who is an inquiry thinker as well as to question? Okay, tell me about your pedagogical beliefs and why you feel that way. And it's a good way to to model it. So I guess if you're a beginning teacher listening tonight as well, and you're, you're sitting in PL that might contradict something that you've learned at university or something like that, go into it with that curious mindset of, okay, we'll where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk about current evidence-based practice and that's why we continue to um, grow and evolve and professional uh, develop ourselves professionally like this. And um, we just need to be sort of asking, okay, well, where does this come from and how does this impact my learning and my students?
2: Yeah, um, and, and where does
3: it fit with what I currently know and understand and how do I or what do I need to do to bridge the gap between you know, I need I need to shift my practice here. So what do I now need to know or do as a learner to get to that
1: point? Yeah. And that
0: leads beautifully into our question from James for tonight.
1: Yeah, so I'm thinking along the lines of Charlotte. So going back to the example Alice was talking about, we completed a professional learning that's related to our school plan, related to spelling. So I've completed a spelling professional learning on an afternoon What makes it so difficult to then transfer um, that professional learning into our practice?
2: Yeah, well, there's a couple of things. Uh, As I said, a lot of the PL delivery itself simply goes against best practice educational theory. It's single exposure. It might be really heavily based in theory with limited practical examples, Um, But the other reason is there's often no ongoing support or implementation. And Alice, this kind of ties into what you were just saying. Um, The reason that teachers often really struggle to apply things that they learn in a PL is because a PL takes, uh, you know, an hour, maybe a couple of hours, a half day, a full day. And it's then on the teacher to then bridge that gap. And... Teachers are busy. (laughs) Uh, You know, we might have the best intentions to be able to do that, but it's simply not realistic to ask teachers to do that all the time, in addition to the 50,000 other things that we are also doing, to put that entirely on the individual teacher to have to try and bridge that gap in, okay, what do I need to do to get from A to B? What do I need to do to actually embed this in my practice? The answer is a lot of really time-consuming things, obviously, often, that we don't have time for even if we want to. And we might make time for one PL, but then we won't be able to do that for, you know, the next five or six that we attend. So to be able to do that consistently every single time is not necessarily super realistic.
1: So what from the research you've completed, what's the best way to transfer that knowledge to get, I guess, sustained impact from that teacher practice is it that there's one key focus the school looks at is it about having regular follow-up sessions what what models have you seen from your research that shows best best practice in that area
2: Uh, It's a hard question to answer because there are lots of different um, options and it does depend on the school. Uh, Some schools having a sort of big school focus where, you know, everyone's focusing on spelling and they're all, you're all going to go to a spelling PL. Sometimes that really works for some schools. And then in other schools, it doesn't because the teachers, some of them are sitting there going, I didn't pick this and this isn't something I personally want to improve on and it's not going to resonate. So it does depend school to school. But if I had to pick one thing it is multiple exposures ongoing support with resources for teachers to implement these things these techniques these best practice approaches that we're wanting them to use in classrooms they need ongoing support and when I say ongoing I don't mean a month I mean three six, 12 months more
1: Yeah, I think that's important of my key thing that I use in that area is called maintaining momentum, because you can't expect like you were talking earlier to have a one off session or two off sessions. And, you know, I might have presented it in a lecture style and go, okay go implement that within your classroom so maintaining momentum providing resources regular check-ins and support i think is a key thing have you seen any models within your research with differentiated professional learning so understanding that all our teachers like all our students they have different needs and seen um, i guess i've worked in different settings that have used the differentiated pr- approach but have you come across that within your research and keen to hear your ideas about that
2: I
0: love this question. I really want to hear this answer.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yes, yes. I have come across a few. Um, They do tend to work better than you would expect. Uh, However, it does come back to the same answer that I just gave you, which is the ongoing support. So you can have differentiated PL and it's a great idea. But if that differentiated PL is still one off in isolation and doesn't have anything to help teachers go away and actually put that into their classroom practice, then It's likely to resonate for longer and have an impact for longer, but in terms of teachers actually embedding it into their practice in the long run, kind of like forever, if you will, it's still not going to hit the mark.
1: Well, Charlotte, I think I'm already getting my three takeaways for, <laughs> you know, the key thing, for, it's for teachers to understand the why to the professional learning, it's maintaining momentum with regular sessions and check-in, and it's providing the support and resources. So the three key messages I took out from your little spill there, so thank you.
3: <laughs> James, you're jumping the gun.
1: Yeah, I know, I just can't hold me back, Alice, sometimes. Uh, yeah, and I was, I was thinking on what
4: Charlotte said, like if we're talking about long-term sustained change that takes time and mm. like we said we're we're always looking for a silver bullet but there mm. isn't one and whatever we do we have to be willing like you said charlotte to to put in the work and to keep at it and have those multiple exposures um like we do with students because we know i'm not i'm not going to deliver a lesson and then they've got it and that's it and that's the end of my job it's ongoing exposure and you know We've got to do the same. And especially like you said, if it's a, even a deeper level, changing someone's beliefs, that takes time. And it's and I think the nature of education is we try and do so many things. We're trying to do so many things. And I know we are sitting, you know, doing different PL every week, you know, different topic, different topic, different topic. And we never go anywhere. So we've, you know, as a school, been relooking looking at how we deliver PL and having those weeks at a time where we focus on one thing and it's pulling it apart and looking at, you know, in-stage teams, how we put that into practice and providing that support to do it because we were, we were finding that, that we're not getting the, the impact from it because mm-hmm. we're, we're doing, you know, like you said, we'll do one session. Okay, cool, go and do it we yeah. don't do it because we don't have yeah. time
2: yeah and I'd be interested to hear if your new approach works
1: <laughs> and I'm interested to sorry Charlotte to change the subject to just I'm interested from a research perspective but timing of professional learning from the research you looked at was there a day morning afternoon like was there any research of the when for when professional learning is delivered
2: Um, In terms of how impactful it is?
1: Yeah, yeah. So saying if there was a case study that they looked into mornings instead of afternoons or a day of the week you know being at the beginning of the week when teachers are coming in or towards the end or you might have seen research that has looked into that and that's completely fine as well because it's off the cusp.
2: I I (laughs) haven't actually looked into research around that um there may well be research out there it's actually something I do intend to factor in when I do my PhD though so circle back ask me in a couple (laughs) months and I'll have an
1: answer. (laughs) No because I'd be genuinely interested I know we can all talk about our stories anecdotally Mm. of what we believe but I wasn't sure if there was any kind of case studies that you you had looked into, so it's thank you for probably
3: not at eight forty five on <laughs> <Thursday> it.
4: <night. laughs> but I was, and I was also thinking it's probably not at three fifteen pm. Yeah, that's what I mean long, no. because that's when we do it day at work. That's oh, right. and it's probably not the last day of term four. Yeah. Oh, no,
0: yeah, that's, that's well being day. But that's interesting that you say that because I've attended PL where they explicitly said we will not do whole day PLs, we will do two hours over the course of, mm-hmm. you know, so many fortnights to do that specifically because they want you to do something, take it away and, and implement, do something, yeah. take it away and implement mm-hmm. as opposed to something where you go for a whole day. And then you're on the train ride home with a massive cognitive overload headache, trying to just decompress yeah. everything. And, but then again, we've still got those one weekly hour things, which we feel like maybe we're not actually absorbing because we've got the to-do list in our head or those other things that we're still, you know, three. Well, that parent
3: phone call we've got to make. And- yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, the parent it's, phone call we just it's had. It's a battle novel. and there's <laughs> a balance. <laughs> <laughs> I do know a school though, that run their PL meetings in the morning before the day starts. So they're at eight, they're at school at, I think eight o'clock they start and they go to like 8.50 and then walk out and start teaching. So I don't know what how duties or anything like that works, but that's their culture as they do it at the beginning of the day when they're fresh and they've got their coffee, when they're ready to go and they're about to walk into the classroom Mm -hmm. right after doing it with it fresh in their head. And if I was a morning person, I would probably advocate for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, We'll see how that goes. Um, But no, that's good because I was going to ask you about um, scaffolds and things to take back to teachers, which you've you've really clearly explained, but I Yes, um, if you're an executive that's listening, keeping in mind that idea of revisiting it. So, so at my school, um, I described to Charlotte before we started recording is that my school has a three weekly cycle so that we can do something, go and put it in the classroom, do something, put it in the classroom but I never go back and explicitly revisit it. It's just kind of one of those things that we go, okay, well, are we using that in our classroom now, guys? How's that working for you? Oh, if it's not working because you've moved on to something else or you've forgotten about it or you didn't see the relevance or didn't find it impactful for your kids. I think that um, I'm getting my takeaways as well, James, straight away about, yeah, revisiting those things. So um, thinking also about what are the actual supports in place to do that i'm trying to put my head back into beginning teacher back and think you know how would i have felt learning something new and taking it to the classroom without something to to support that specifically um i think we're up to yours alice all right
3: all this talk about um, professional learning and when's the best time kind of leads in nicely to thinking about what's the best PL you've ever attended what made that professional learning great for you what made it kind of stick and impactful for you I'm gonna I'm gonna throw to Aaron first give me your best PL
4: I've got two and I've got two different reasons
3: Um, so the first
4: one I think one of the best ones and the one that really stuck in my mind was seven steps to writing success the the reason I love that PL is it went it stood out because it was different to every other PL in the person that delivered it was so engaging and really put me in the shoes of the student and got me practically engaged as a a student of what they would be doing in the classroom and I remember how excited I was to take part in these you know action activities and then go I'm going to take this and that same excitement translate that to my Classroom because it was not that chalk and talk lecture style. It was very practical. And I kind of got to sit on the other side and experience the excitement and the buzz and then went away going, I want to bring that to my students and that same exciting excitement and buzz around writing. I want to create that culture in my classroom, if that makes sense. And like I was thinking what you said, Charlotte, so often we do PL and we sit there and we go, this is so boring because it does, it goes against the way we know is effective teaching. And that was one that stood out for me. Um, I think one of the other ones that I've loved is our school has done a, an impact project with call in Australia around visible learning. And the thing I loved about that was exactly what you were saying before show about that ongoing. So it was a three year project. And for the three years we, consistently ongoing there was that ongoing peel around the one thing and practical implementation and I think because it was it wasn't a one-time thing the thing I loved about that project was it was something consistent that we focused on and there were so many other things that we went we're not worrying about that because we're just focusing on this one aspect and doing it over a six month period before we move on to the next thing, it was that ongoing implementation. So straight away, the, the things that we've talked about, I can completely go, yes, that's right. I've experienced both of those. And they were the
1: two most impactful professional learnings for those exact reasons.
3: What about you, James?
1: A little bit different, Taryn. When I was starting my leadership journey, I was um, applied to be part of something called the Leadership Development Initiative, which was something that a support teachers who were commencing lead teacher accreditation. And it was more so that there was two days conference, and it was all based upon leadership and growing as a leader. But there was three two-day conferences each year over a two-year period, so 12 days all up. But what I really liked about that professional learning, a key word um, that Aaron mentioned, that it was sustained, um, that during that professional learning with all the different um, leadership kind of presentations and different things you're assigned a mentor and that you were assigned time to digest and talk about the learning that you are undertaking. So a lot of the sessions in the morning was, you know, a lot of content heavy um, kind of things about leadership and what it is, what it looks like. But then with your mentor and other groups, you got time to unpack that and talked about what that looked like. So by having that time within the professional learning to digest it after to discuss unpack again what it looks like but then those regular follow-ups and to continually build upon what you're doing and to take away that learning you were then um, learning about at the conference implement it within your setting as a leader then come back and talk about it what you found work and didn't so again I guess the, th- the things that we discussed momentum sustainability and resources to support it so that's why I really enjoyed that professional learning end. Yeah, hey, they put on a good dinner and drinks as well.
3: at <laughs> It's always a bonus. <laughs> Beck.
0: I've got
4: no, two. you've got some
0: good ones.
1: Yeah, no, you'd have a lot, Beck.
0: Yeah. So, do you know, I'm one of the nerds where when you look on Scout, I've got like one of the highest levels of PL that's done.
1: Over 9,000, I bet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Proficiency. <laughs> <laughs> Hit maintenance. No, and that's that's the thing, though, is that, you know, when we walk away sometimes thinking, oh, that was a waste, when I reflect on how much PL I've done, there is a lot of good PL out there. there. You know, there's a lot of solid stuff, even when it isn't necessarily the best presenter or the prettiest slideshow or, or coming away with the best resources. Sometimes you just get good, solid foundations or good quality dialogue with the people that you're doing it with. Or sometimes they just pose a really good question where you go away and think that could change something in my classroom for the better, which is really good. So the first one I'm going to mention, and I hope I've got the title right, it's from OLT Australia. So it's Online Learning Training, I think, uh, Australia. And I think the title is called Understanding Behaviour and Management. They may have changed it over time. I like this course so much. I've actually done it two, possibly three times. I remember doing an early behavior management model um, in my early years of teaching. And then I did this again when I was an early exec. And then I liked it so much. I brought it to my current school for staff to do. And I sat there and I did it with them again, because I still feel like I got more and more every time I did it. And it just was one of those things. It reaffirms the revisiting, doesn't it? that, you know, going back to it and remembering what you were learning and utilising it. And maybe I looked at it with a different mindset, but it really just got to the crux of um, looking at behaviours and understanding what's going on for the kid, for the teacher, for the environment and really breaking down everything that's in there. And um, I like the fact that the process for it is, sometimes it's blended so some of it is online you can sit there and self-pace and watch the videos twice if you need to um and doing the activities and then you get that face-to-face time to follow up ask the hard-hitting questions ask for um you know real examples pertaining to your specific child as opposed to just the example kid that's in the in the learning it was really good example of blended learning um, I gained a lot that I put into practice that I still use in practice now successfully and even supporting teachers is successful. So if you can do it, do it. I think it's really good. If you can do it in a team, even better. It's always better to do it with your colleagues and be able to bounce those ideas off each other. Um, the other one is more deep and meaningful. Uh, anyone who's listening to the podcast knows that emotional intelligence is a big thing for me in recent years. I'm loving it because it, it's um, it's been... Really uh, overwhelming, but great at the same time. So the the first course I did was through Genos International, and it was just called Leading with Emotional Intelligence. And I I started a folder called um, my folder of uncomfortable truths as I learned more about myself and emotional intelligence and what kind of leader I can be. And then it developed into the next sort of level called the Leadership Circle. And e- e- even if you don't have time for more PL, you've got enough on your plate. If you read the book, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, it touches on emotional, or I shouldn't say touches on, it goes deep into emotional intelligence and, uh, you know, leading with vulnerability and, and doing those things. Because whether you're a leader or a beginning teacher, th- there's so much to learn about yourself and how and emotional intelligence because we work with adults. Like kids are our core business, but we need to work with adults and, and what we deal with can be really impactful as a teacher and, um you, you really need to know yourself well to be able to um, manage some of the really hard parts of our job. So I would highly recommend PL in any of those areas. What about you, Alice? Well, I I particularly
3: thought of one that has been quite impactful and it has been impactful now. For, oh, I, did, I did the prof- first lot of professional learning back in 2015 and I'm still on that journey so it's been quite sustainable for me and my practice but it was this particular PL that I attended I attended with a team which I think um supported the development um, of myself and my colleagues was um, with Ron Richart and we were looking at developing a culture of thinking in our school and this is kind of where my journey um really began in the space of cultures of thinking and around thinking routines and that kind of thing it was it became the, the catalyst for change um, and simply because the professional learning that that Ron delivered it was um, it was relevant to what we were doing or trying to do at our school so it had it had meaning and it had value but he posed a lot of um, reflective questions that made myself and the team that I was with really dig down into our pedagogical beliefs and our, our core beliefs as teachers around um, who we are and how we approach um, different things. And it was upon that reflection that I went, you know what, there is a, there is a better way out there to do what I'm doing, um, to really develop the thinking of my students and to push their thinking and I you know start along that journey and um, my role was to support other staff to to take the journey uh, with me and and as a whole school approach we we ended up embedding the cultures of thinking into into our school but that for me has has been a long-lasting and and sustainable professional learning I continue to um to build my understanding around that area and and embed that into the classrooms that I teach in the teachers that I work with the way that I lead um, others is is all driven from the foundation that I I um kind of built and at that first professional learning that I attended that was the most been the most impactful professional learning that that I've um, engaged with, and it kind of helps that along the way, like you said, James. That and Charlotte, that support was really beneficial. So you know, Ron Richart, even though he's a you know a Harvard, um, you know, works at Harvard and is a is a high level researcher, He's, he was always available to offer support and would of you know work with our teams or you know, you could reach out one-on-one to say, oh, look, I'm really grappling with this. Can you help me to unpack it or what, you know, what kind of tips or tricks might you give me to, to support me as I move forward? And so that that support helped to maintain that momentum in that space.
0: What a good example too of just how something can stick with you too and how you keep revisiting it when, when it is impactful and when it resonates with mm. you so clearly like that. Um do you, do you think had you done it by yourself, it would be the same, do you think, like having that first experience on your own, if you went on your own by yourself to the PL and came back and went, hey, guys, I learned something cool?
3: <laughs> I think for me and my teaching it probably would have been the same, but it wouldn't mm-hmm. have had the same level of impact upon the teachers around me and then on a whole school mm. kind of level, it possibly... Um, would have taken longer because we we saw the the team that I was with was um, you know a couple of teachers and then some school leaders we saw it as a direction that we we were wanting to take um, our school towards so having having that team meant that that we walked that journey together and we walked the school through that journey but had I been there by myself that journey I think would have taken longer
0: wouldn't have gotten that shared buy-in from the get-go yeah as as probably as quick as it did yeah yeah what about you Charlotte what's been some of the best
2: PL you've done (laughs) uh one of the best PLs I ever did was actually over in New Zealand at the University of Canterbury um when back for my PE teaching, uh, and it was done by, it was a GameSense PL. Um, I don't know if any of you have heard of GameSense. It was a very niche PE <laughs> teaching approach, uh, but it was developed by the Australian Sports Commission in conjunction with Ron Thorpe, who is amazing. Uh, and it, very similar to, I think, Aaron, you were mentioning a PL you went to, or maybe James, um, where you actually were kind of put in the Position of being the student, and it was very, very interactive. And so we got to see what we were going to be applying in practice. And having that really hands on element made it so much more powerful. And it really, really stuck with me. And it made me walk away and just immediately go, I completely understand how I am going to put this theory into practice with my students. And I know exactly what to do. I don't have to do any extra work. I know exactly how I'm going to do this. Can we get our kids, our teachers to sit down and be the kids for some of
0: it? I'm suddenly starting to churn this random idea mm-hmm. and then thinking, do I get my gold stars out or is that a bit too much? No. But
2: there's definitely a balance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but it
2: does work. It's, But I
0: guess it's that that mindset we've had a conversation before about you know when you're setting up your classroom go sit at one of the kids tables Mm -hmm. see what it would feel like to be at the table or sitting on the floor you know and I guess it would be that same kind of thing and actually no if I think back to the behavior one that I did one of the trainees took a photo of me teaching and it was me standing um I considered it standing next to a student. But when you look at it, I was standing over the child because yeah. I'm quite tall and it was this little um, year four kid, very short year four kid who's kind of looking at me like, you know, what are you doing hanging over me? And it's just because it was just because of my sheer size. You know, I, I suddenly saw, yeah, that's that's not the way I want my kids to see me, that kind of thing. So being able to shift to the kid's mindset when you're in that PL thinking of how would they respond to whatever this focus area is that I'm trying Mm. to um to get into it
2: and I think you've tapped into it there that's that's kind of the the answer it's not necessarily that we need to suddenly have the teachers all be students and do a literal model demonstration although it does work in some cases but (laughs) anything that we can do to help teachers think of it from the student perspective is going to help with understanding how to implement it
3: Mm. and I and I think um you know you've touched on it there is that engaging in it yourself helps you to build that understanding of what it feels like to for others to engage in it and you can say oh you know i i might say this if i was the person delivering it or i'd i'd do it this way or that way which leads nicely into my next question what are some tips people can use to get the most out of professional learning sessions. We're going to do a quick round the table before we get Charlotte's guru answer around <laughs> what her tips are. Aaron, I'm going to throw to you again.
1: Yep.
4: What are Happy. your
3: big tips for getting the most out of professional learning?
4: Um, I think in a lot of things that we talked about, one thing that my very first principal said to me, I think when I went to one of my first courses, he said, Aaron, you know what, there's going to be so much in it and you're probably going to feel overwhelmed. He said, I want you to come back with a school, uh, to school with a plan of how you're going to do just one thing. Mm -hmm. He said, just come back with a plan to do one thing from it he said if you don't do that you probably won't do any of it Mm -hmm. and I think that is being intentional um but like we've said we're so busy so okay what's one thing I'm going to do tomorrow not in a week because I probably won't what am I going to do tomorrow what's the one thing and plan it plan it out yeah Mm -hmm. and that's something that has you know stayed with me all these years later 13 14 years down the track what's one thing I'm going to do and make a plan to do it and do it and he said do it tomorrow because you won't if you don't do it tomorrow you're not going to do it
3: yeah fits nicely with our uh, podcast model too that starts small achieve success and scale it up harry <laughs> mm, yes <laughs> james loves a good three what's oh, yours dude. james you got three for me
1: uh, no well i've got three little phrases that all relating to the one idea but just basically what you put in is what you'll get out have an open mind
0: mm. yep. Yeah. yeah world pearls of wisdom I'm gonna tell you what what I'm guilty of doing though is having um crap in the background is is not going to be conducive having your emails going in the background trying to get that other work done in the background so um uh, yeah be present in it and and it's just because we're time poor and and if um if we're going into it with that negative mindset as well we think oh well I'm not going to get much out of it then it won't be helpful. So something I've done is in my OneNote um, with my program and everything else, I have a section for PL and I try and do just screenshots or quotes um, that's in there. Because usually sometimes when they share something, it's that one-off phrase or something that they've said that will stick with me that I take back um, you know, th- that's the kind of thing that sticks with me. So I try and make sure I note it down now instead of just hearing it going, oh, that was an interesting thing I want to take away. I try and write it down so that it's there and I can revisit it when I'm going back and either feeding back to Teams or Exec or or something like that is um I try and dedicate a space to it where I can document something. So Aaron, you're talking about taking one thing away to put into practice. I need to make sure I've got something, a tab there mm-hmm. done filled with something from the PL. Yeah. yeah. I
3: like having um, and it kind of links Aaron with what you were saying around looking at okay here's here's what I do in my practice here's where I'm at what's something that I'm gaining from this professional learning that can level me up that can take my practice to that next level that you know that like you said that one thing that you can implement in in your room as a leader tomorrow that's I'm gonna I'm gonna scale up what I'm doing, take it to that next level and and see how that goes. Charlotte. What are your words of wisdom? <laughs> Hit us. What should our tips be?
2: Those are all really good tips. I support all of those tips. Um, I think another one links into what we actually started the episode talking about, which is to prethink what you want to get out of a particular PL or a particular session. So essentially, create your own learning goals. And really think about why am I going to the session? What do I hope to get out of it? And keep that front of mind. Um, Another one is to, if you're able to, to record the session. Uh, This kind of links in with theory of multiple exposures. If you can listen to it back when you're driving to work in the car a few days later, um, I think, you know, we often get things out of something when we revisit it. We'll get something different out of it each time. And so being able to, you know, put it on two times speed and just listen to it while you're on the train or in the car, um, that can be really helpful. Uh, Another one, Beck, you actually just said that you did this, so this is great, is to get a dedicated PL notebook. Uh, This sounds a little bit sort of superficial or a bit silly, but it really links into out of sight, out of mind, which is very real. And so if we take notes on, you know, a scrap bit of paper or a random book that we sort of find last minute or the notepad that comes with the PL, then chances are that we're going to misplace that or put it on the desk under a pile of things. And so having a dedicated book, whether that's physical or digital, And having a spot that all of your PL notes go makes it more likely that you will pull it out and refer to it because you'll see it sitting there and you'll go, oh, what was that thing that I learned in that PL? just want to remind myself. And you can just grab that book and have a quick look in it. Um, Another one is, and this kind of links into what one of you was saying as well, is understanding that it is often on us to take the responsibility to revisit key concepts and so when you book the pl when you put it in your calendar i'm going to this pl on this day at this time also make an appointment with yourself to revisit that information and make that a calendar event put it in your diary you know i'm going to a pl on thursday On Monday at 2 p.m., I'm going to spend an hour just having a look at what I learned from that PL. Make it a couple days later. And maybe you spend that time creating a resource so that you can implement an activity. Maybe you spend that time just going through the notes that you took so you can sort of distill what you want to implement. But making that time and making that appointment and sort of booking it in with yourself is another really useful one. Um, and finally, uh, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to give myself a little plug here, mm, go <laughs> which <for> is it. <laughs> to join Grow. Uh, so, Grow PL is the company that I launched at the start of this year. Aaron, you actually said something in your effective feedback episode around the language that you use when giving feedback, and you mentioned glows and grows.
4: Yes, yes.
2: <laughs> uh, and how if you want to have a plant grow, you need to nurture it. It needs the right conditions and it takes time and it's an investment. Our goals aren't a wish. If we want to change something, we do have to work of it. And this is where a lot of PL can let us down because the long-term support, as we've mentioned through this episode, often isn't there. Uh, As a teacher, I really understand how we often have the best intentions and we might leave a PR with all of these great ideas, but then we go back to school and we get really swept up in marking and, you know, why that kid is crying and what topic is coming up next. And we might try something else once or twice, but often it doesn't go far beyond that. As an educator, I think I'm pretty safe to say when I speak for all of us Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we really value equal access to education for all students. And we value being the best for our students so that they can then be their best and achieve their best. Yet interestingly, a lot of PL doesn't really mirror this. Somehow when it comes to PL, all of those beliefs that we have about the importance of education and what makes education great and how to educate, get really lost in translation. And a lot of PL doesn't practice what it preaches in terms of educational best practice or equal access for all teachers. So these are things that Grow is trying to change. (laughs) We don't want to give teachers one-off single instances of really great information, but we want to support them in the follow-through and give them lots of tools that they need in order to do that. We want really great PL that practice what it preaches in terms of best practice delivery methods. And we want it to be accessible to everyone, not just teachers who live in major cities. It was a really big decision when we started Grow actually about if we should do it online or in person. And we ultimately decided we would start out fully online simply because equal access is really, really important to us. And if the pandemic did one thing, it made us a lot more comfortable with online learning, which is great because, you know, teachers that live in more remote areas where the PL opportunities aren't so great or they have to drive and take time off work, uh, yes <laughs> me. exactly and teaching is one of those professions you know we take time off and sometimes that's great we're like hey cool a day off to go to a PL." but we often are returning to more work than we had when yes. we left yeah
4: it's more <laughs> work to take a day off
2: exactly and it's just sometimes it's just not not doable so bringing it to all teachers through an online platform was something that we felt really you know drawn to um, so, listeners out there of Teacher Takeaway Podcast, you can get $50 off your annual membership using code TPP50 if you want to sign up. And, guys, we have to let you know this one is a real code. This
0: one's not <laughs> a joke
4: one like we We always talk about joke codes. I was thinking, I'm like, guys, we've got a real code. <laughs> yes you do
0: <laughs> I looked at TPP I'm like who's TPP oh that's us that's us <laughs> yes, that's our name and and thank you so much for offering that to to our listeners we hope that that's something that will um be very supportive for them whether you're beginner or experienced I'm sure there's always something to to gain or have a, a teacher takeaway moment with Grow. <laughs> Um, look, I think there's definitely lots for us to take away from tonight. So, uh, James, we say one, but it's always three. What have you got for well, us? Tonight? My
1: three, three, as we discussed earlier, Beck, is anything. like the professional learning, understanding the why. If we're delivering professional learning for our staff, and we want that shared buy-in, when our staff need to understand the why. When staff understand the why and we deliver the professional learning, maintain momentum. Don't let it be a one-off session that we're regularly and then we're planning to revisit what we're delivering. And then after we've done that, provide resources and to support our teachers to implement what we're asking for them in the classroom. And they are my three keys to successful professional (laughs) learning, Beck
0: Alice, what are you taking away from today? Oh, do we need any more than James's?
4: No, <laughs> I feel on, like Alice. he's
3: covered at all. Yeah, he's gold
0: star. <laughs> oh.
1: No.
3: Always the high achiever.
4: <laughs> We've got um, to make him go last. That's the
1: new rule. James <laughs> goes. <away. laughs>
3: yes. Because I feel well, like I have to we...
1: start to one. I have to start one.
3: <laughs> that never happens. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm taking away the need to like James said, to maintain momentum, to keep revisiting it, whether it's um, you know, having having that digital folder where you've got all your notes and you go, oh, you know, I just want to grab that and and you know, having that information on hand so that you can re-go over your learning and, and um continue to build that. I really like that idea. Um but also if you're the one that's driving and leading that peel to have that support structures in place for your, for your team so that, you know, they don't get stuck in that, Mm -hmm. you know, learning pit where things just become too hard. And I can't implement this because I don't have the resources or the support or that ongoing understanding. And I just, I'm just going to let it go because it's just all too hard. So I think those are my two, I'm going to go with two.
0: Two
4: key <laughs>
0: points. Three, two, Aaron, have you got one? Listen, I do just have
4: one, but I... it was it's really a repeat of what James and Alice have said. And it just tonight's got me thinking as someone who does deliver quite a bit of PL, um, being intentional with okay, this is my PL, this is what I want to get out of it, but being deliberate about what am I gonna what what are the supports I'm gonna put in place mm. after we go, see you later, session's over what what are we going to do like being intentional about that those support structures whether it is providing teachers with a resource or it is penciling in times to check in with them or have conversations or scheduling in deliberate intentional more pl times to follow it up um you know and have deeper conversations like you've said Beck we've been doing a similar model where we spend a few weeks and we delve into it more and we look at how are we going to apply that um being more intentional about that and what support's going to be available?
0: For me, I'm going to go a bit deep and meaningful, I think, around the why, because putting my executive hat on, I know why we're designing PL the way that we're designing it at our school. Uh, and a lot of it is driven because of school uh, targets, what we're working towards, um, that whole school sort of focus. But I think that conversation around shifting values or shifting pedagogical practice and how ingrained that can be in a person. I don't think I'm offering enough opportunities to ask what their current belief system is about what we're about to delve into. I think Mm -hmm. we just, I just go, Hey guys, we've identified in the data that this is a need or it's in some PDPs or it's a school target. I'm explaining why, as a collective we've designed that but i don't think i'm getting people to articulate where their current vision or value sits within whatever it is we're learning about and preparing them for a possible shift in their value sets so i think that needs to be a conversation even if it's a quick 5 10 minute thing to just kind of go tell me where you're at with this post it note scenario or whatever it is get that out on the table acknowledge it acknowledge this is where you guys currently sit we're going to delve in a bit deeper and see where we go with this today and then keep doing everything that you guys have said, maintain momentum, revisit um, and look at how that's being implemented in practice and, and checking in with those teachers. And I think that's going to be a tricky thing to do to get to the crux of why and shift, possibly shifting value sets.
3: I think that's where you get a lot of pushback too, back in that you are not, you know, oftentimes we just, we dive straight into this PO because we think, Oh my gosh, this is, this is fantastic and and it's going to really help us get to where we want to go as a school. But we don't always take the time, like you said, Beck, to acknowledge where we're at and mm. where the teachers around us are at. And so people think, oh, like this is just another thing and what I'm doing and what I know and understand and believe is not valued. It's that yeah. someone's just saying, here's another new thing, this is how you must do things now and, and what I've been doing is wrong.
0: Yeah. yeah, and there's always people like me in the room going, we did this 15 years ago, and, yeah. like, we've got to acknowledge that that knowledge and capacity and understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and I think going off what you were saying, Alice, you know, getting a good sense of where people are at because sometimes, I know you alluded to, Charlotte, maybe where people are at or as a school we're at and where we want to go, the divide's too big and mm-hmm. we actually have to bridge mm-hmm. the gap more slowly. Do you know what I mean? We're we're trying to to bridge a gap that's too big. Um, There's things we have to do before it, if that makes sense. But like you said, we get caught up in the "this is amazing, let's just do this," (laughs) or like you said, people go, "Well, you're just saying that I've been doing the wrong thing." Do you know what I mean? It's it's because we're not acknowledging that where are we Mm. actually at? Where's that come from? And where where do we go to? And (laughs) And you know, it helps with that
2: emotional intelligence. sorry Charlotte (laughs) that's okay I was just gonna say isn't it interesting Aaron that that's something that we do with our students all the time we check Mm. where they're at when we introduce a new topic and then you know we might have been planning a certain sequence that we adjust because we go oh my kids are not ready for that they need an intermediate step and we put an intermediate step in straight away Mm. so you know why would our PL be any different Mm.
3: yeah and this is where Inquiry is amazing. Just going to put that in there. <laughs> I love it. It's all linking Action together Action Inquiry
0: is a leader. Get on it. <laughs> love it. That should be a future topic for us, Alice. Just should delve I? deep into it. We'll let you host that one. <laughs> okay. As we wrap up tonight's episode, Charlotte, where can we find
2: you online? Uh, You can find us at our website, www.growpl.com.au. We're on Instagram, grow.pl, Twitter, grow underscore pl, or you can find us on Facebook, search for Grow Professional Learning. Thank
0: you so much again for taking the time tonight. I'm sure that what you've given us is just a tiny drop in the wealth of knowledge that you have around this so please head over check out um her on the socials and on her website and don't forget our discount tpp50 to get $50 off annual membership actual code it really exists (laughs) (laughs) okay so thank you for joining us for episode nine making the most of professional learning I am Beck. Thank you, James, Aaron, Alice, and good night to Charlotte as well. Thank you for staying up with us. We look forward to seeing you in the ne- next episode. If you want to contact us with any episode suggestions, we are also on Facebook, Insta, and Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> to remember all our socials there. Um, and we look forward to seeing Alice's many copious notes from this episode I promise (laughs) sorry they haven't been up I will get on to that she's a teacher and a mum guys give her a minute (laughs) we appreciate all the effort Alice thanks everyone for joining us tonight